Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. It is the Oz Network coming to you once again for a Breaking Bad episode. Not a recap this week, but sort of a recap. We're recapping the entire first season of Breaking Bad because we've gone through every single episode solo. Only seven of them in the first season, so we're here to recap it. Go over the bits that we maybe missed about talking about, relive the best moments, the worst moments and everything else in between and look ahead to the second season and give it a nice little once over before we move into those episodes. My name is Ben and does the Pope shit in his hat? <laughs> and my name's Nick and our best course of action would be chemical disincorporation. I agree. That is what I was I'm really proud of myself for being able to pull that off without uh, messing it up. Well done. That's what she said. Um, <laughs> so, uh, good job. Um, yeah, I mean, pff, sounds like a cliche now. I was saying it last week, but I mean, here we are already talking about the first season recap. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was quick, um, but um, there's nothing wrong with being quick. You can get a lot done when you're quick. Um, <laughs> but season one of Breaking Bad, Nick. Uh, we're here to kind of go over the main bits and everything else. But uh, yeah, thoughts on kind of our, our series of recaps and where we are and everything else in between? Yeah, well, I guess it's a kind of weird thing of obviously being, you know, a short season. So um, we, we're doing this way sooner than we would for, for most seasons and definitely earlier than we will do for, for any of the other seasons of Breaking Bad. It's just the way that it, it's kind of broken for us. But um, it, it's kind of nice to feel like we've got one locked in already, you know, like even though we're cheating a little bit, it's, it is nice to have a whole season that we can say, yep, we've done that, moving on to the next one. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely not a bad thing. It's uh, just a little bit a little bit odd, I suppose. But at the same time, still got plenty to talk about in terms of this first season. So, so yeah. Yeah, it's sort of um, might be the quickest season we'll ever do on any of our shows, really. Uh, I mean, you know, Better Call Soul, I think they're all just 10-episode seasons. I don't know if I can't remember if the first season was short of that, but, um, you know, it all depends on what we're going to cover, obviously, in the future. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you. It's kind of, it's nice to kind of have a nice little concise little thing. But, I mean, you and I, when we sort of talked about doing Breaking Bad, we were kind of like, well, that shouldn't be too bad. It's only, what, about 60-odd episodes versus 100 of Nip Tuck that we did, um, you know, 130 of a third watch. I think we've got about 3,217 of 24 that we're going to get through. So, you know, it's a certain lengths of that. But um, I've, I definitely, like, this is a show I think I said at the very beginning that maybe I've maybe only ever watched fully, like, two, three times, maybe, at least two, maybe three. So I don't know how many times you have, but it always definitely uh, adds an element when you're taking notes and you know you're going to talk about each episode for an hour to kind of express an opinion makes you watch things differently like you get new appreciations for characters uh you know obviously i think uh we'll talk about that in that episode maybe some characters that you appreciate more don't appreciate as much and things like that or things you notice so um yeah i mean it's unique us doing this and kind of watching it a, a different way i guess yeah i think so i mean it, it, it 
it's one of those ones where there's there's certain episodes that I've probably watched a whole heap of times and other episodes that I've maybe only watched once or twice to be honest you know i think um i'm not always a completionist i don't always just start at number one and and run my way through um that's true for you know anything like i don't sit and watch survivor from episode one of season one and just run my way through until i get to the end um but i know lots of people do um but for me i just like to pick certain things and um you know like i kind of think that last season i've probably watched a few times because it's just it's fun to kind of watch how the thing finishes um and uh, yeah i i think probably it it is kind of fun to kind of go back and and watch it all from the beginning again um yeah i mean for the for this thing i mean i probably watched these episodes at least twice some of them three times you know like one to take notes and one to kind of refresh just before we what we we start recording and and then i'm actually kind of you know watching them in the background on on mute as we're talking as well so you know you're kind of seeing these things kind of play over and over again so i feel like i've got a pretty good grasp of this first season now which is cool it's it's nice to feel like it's got a good grounding and where this thing started and um and, and yeah it's a nice feeling yeah definitely had that with Elisa first, I think like two, three, four episodes kind of, you know, probably watched them about three or four times doing this, but um, yeah, kind of just certain life um, circumstances kind of bring about that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's sort of been interesting. So kind of, if you've never listened to a sort of a season recap, we just kind of go over, you know, certain moments we talked about the, the key plot points, characters and things like that, and just kind of give it final thoughts on that. So, I mean, I guess really going over the first season, uh, it's pretty basic. We, we meet Walt. Uh, he basically is a chemistry teacher who gets diagnosed with terminal lung cancer. And uh, he decides to cook meth, essentially, after going on a ride along with Hank, learning about how lucrative it is. Hooks up with an old student of his, uh, Jesse Pinkman. They cook a bunch. Uh, kind of things go a bit pear-shaped while trying to sell some and distribute it. They end up having to kill a couple of people. Kind of have a bit of a break from it because it all got a little bit too much before Walt uh, sort of chooses to go down that path again to leave some money for his family rather than accepting money from a rich couple of friends. And kind of we end the season... Uh, essentially Walt and Jesse having cooked a whole bunch more, finding a new distributor in Tuco Salamanca and thinking they're kind of doing quite well with this and uh, they're getting a hold of the meth industry before they sort of get a quick, um, you know, reality check essentially when it's not as easy as they think when we witness a quite brutal beating by the hands of Tuco and that this might be a little bit trickier. So kind of all the ins and outs of their start in the um, the meth business. Obviously, Jesse's been involved in it, but kind of it's a bit more professional now because Walt's essentially cooking, what is it, like 99.1% grade uh, pure crystal. And uh, so kind of that's all setting things out in the future and sort of Walt's almost, I guess, downfall into sort of the illegal world and sort of him enjoying it and kind of going from normal suburban teacher dad to kind of in this underworld. And throughout that, we obviously meet his family. We... Um, we meet Skylar, his wife, who's pregnant. Uh, she's about to burst. Uh, kind of her having to deal with uh, the diagnosis of cancer and trying to sort of help him through that. We meet uh, Hank and Marie. So Marie is Skylar's wife. Uh, Skylar's sister. There's a different <laughs> show. And Hank, uh, <laughs> yeah. her husband, who just happens to be a DEA agent. So we learn, obviously, a bit of the ins and outs of the, the drug world from him as well on the other side of things. Uh, also, Walt Jr., who is uh, their son, who has uh, cerebral palsy. And, uh, yeah, we meet a couple of other interesting characters along the way. But uh, they're kind of our major plot points. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting that it's not like 
Nip Tuck, where there's maybe a few ongoing storylines, you've kind of got the main one going in season one. So there's not really a lot of... That'll change in future seasons, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, this is usually what I ask, like, what you liked the best and the didn't of the storylines. But I think we kind of just have the main one here. But, I mean, it's kind of obvious to say what we didn't like when it comes to certain storylines I haven't mentioned. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, know. well, I, th- I, think, I think what kind of makes... Um Breaking Bad such a good show is that it's such a simple concept and um, you know like while we can definitely talk about offshoots and, and the way the, the story kind of evolves and you know we sort of go on and, and to kind of you know because every TV show is going to have subplots you have to have subplots um, but um, I think you know largely you can describe what, what Breaking Bad is in a really simple episode a really simple synopsis right it's just like you know chemistry teacher down on his luck finds out he's got cancer decides to um to cook meth to provide for his family after he dies that's uh, that's the entire show um and while it definitely evolves and changes and new characters come in and out and you know and certain elements become more important than others that storyline actually more or less stays the same right through the show that's kind of what the whole show is about so um whereas you know like you know we can talk about nip tuck because that's on you and i did but you'll have experiences with other shows that you've covered as well of you know it starts off being one thing, but it, it kind of turns, and there's and there's different storylines, and you know, like think about Nip Tuck, you know, we you know we've got the Carver storyline for a while, and um, and then we've got the kind of Escobar storylines, and you know, so there, there is kind of very um, delineated points where the story changes, um, and that's not really true for this. I think it's more that the story just grows more than it actually changes. It doesn't become about something else. Um, at any point in the show really it's just that it grows and it takes on a, a different life and, and so yeah it, it, it is about the one central you know idea and theme the whole way through yeah exactly completely completely agree with that uh, obviously we generally go over the the main cast of each season and kind of guest stars and that now the unique thing about breaking bad is that our um, six main cast members will be the six main cast members basically for all the seasons uh, and we actually only get uh, new main cast members from season three onwards. Uh, so there's three main ones that we will meet next season who are recurring and guest stars before they ultimately become main cast in season three. But uh, this is the only season where our original six are our only six and we don't get any sort of guest appearances or recurring appearances from future main stars, if that makes sense. So we've got, yep. obviously, Brian Cranston as Walter White, Anna Garner, Skylar White, Aaron Paul as Jesse Pinkman, Dean Norris as Hank Schrader, Betsy Brandt as Marie Schrader, and RJ Mitty as Walter White Jr. Interesting here, actually, Nick, is that all of them appear in every single episode with the exception of Dean Norris and Betsy Brandt. Uh, they are not in episode two. So, um, there you go. Everyone else is in every single episode. Now, I know we kind of had the recurring thing on Nip Tuck of are you a, a Christian or a Sean man? And it kind of changed each season. I don't know if we want to do the, the Walter or Jesse man because <laughs> I think that might be maybe a bit different, different kind of style of shows. But, uh, I mean, who are your standouts this season? Maybe anyone that you appreciated more or kind of less or anything along those lines out of our main six? Well, I mean, obviously, Brian Cranston, as as Walt, kind of sells this conceit straight away. So, like, I think if he hadn't he hadn't delivered in this first season, then we're maybe not talking about this as a you know as a great the, the great show that it is. I think um, by having him there, I, I think that 
it, it is this amazing show. So I think, we, you know, we're never going to be able to say enough good things about Brian Cranston in this role. He's he's amazing in it. Um, you know, everything about it is really, really good. So he's always going to be just take it as red. You know, like this guy is is awesome. But um, I think for me in season one, probably the, the other standout that I had maybe forgotten was as good as they were as Dean Norris as, as Hank. Um that I think just the comedy he brings to it and um, I can't wait to kind of watch the the evolution of that character as we go along and you know and I think probably um, you know, Jesse's a really important character but I think we're gonna get Jesse's best stuff in future seasons if I'm being honest I think he kind of grows into it into a role and, and maybe you might argue even that season two is where we see some of Jesse's best stuff um, so it'd be interesting to kind of talk about that but um, I, you know Anna Gunn's also amazing as Skylar um, but again very much in a bit of a supporting character at the moment so for me it's kind of Brian Cranston as number one I think um, all the rest are there supporting doing a great job and doing what they're supposed to be doing but a little bit of a nod to, to Dean Norris as Hank because I think that character just really kind of pops out of the page from from the first moment you see him yeah I mean yeah every season Brian Cranston's going to be a given I don't think we're ever going to have a bad word to say like oh this was Brian Cranston's you know least memorable season like he just brings it every single time I mean he won he did win Golden Globe this season if I'm not mistaken um for <coughs> no he won the Emmy he didn't win the Golden Globe but um God, he went on a run for a while there where I think he almost got the Golden Globe and Emmy every single year almost, and so did mm. Aaron Paul, and so did Anna Gunn. I think, like, they all were on a roll there for a while, and we'll maybe go over that, uh, you know, throughout that. And I know we talked a lot about that on Nip Tuck about how it was kind of, how did this show not win more awards? And ultimately, we know it did win a Golden Globe for Best uh, Drama Series, but ultimately Nip Tuck always missed out on these things, and I would be a lot of that way in bloody uh, Third Watch as well. But Breaking Bad is definitely a show that got very well uh, rewarded for how good it was. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Brian Cranston did win the Emmy this season. I'll, I'll add, look... It's it's interesting the development of Jesse and your opinions on him because like I think I said at the very beginning I've I've never not liked Jesse, and yeah like I mean definitely not maybe his strongest season but I, I still think there's a lot here to unpack with Jesse and it's kind of interesting how like yeah we we start off and it's important to kind of remember how we're feeling about Walt right now because again it's sort of you know he's down on his like chemistry teacher who's kind of doing this for his family whereas you know by the end of this season the series we're not going to be thinking that about Walt he's basically just complete evil. Um, Whereas Jesse almost in many ways kind of, you just feel bad for Jesse in many ways just because of the stuff he's got to go through to get, and particularly by the end of this show, you will feel bad. There's a reason why he gets his own movie. Um, so, yeah, like, I, I've always been a Jesse fan. I, I was a bit higher up on his family backstory one than you were, and we'll get to that in the episodes in just a moment. But, um, yeah, I've always been a Jesse fan, and I think kind of I've, I've appreciated him a lot. Definitely with Hank, absolutely. You know, appreciate the shit out of Hank. Love him. Probably really starting to rag on Marie a lot more, but, um, you know, there's reasons for that. And, yeah, as I've always said throughout this series so far, I've never been down on Skylar. I don't get the Skylar hate, and I think kind of Skylar, you know, I, I sympathise a lot with Skylar this season, uh, sort of what she was having to go through. And note to RJ Mitty with Walter White Jr. Like, again, he does It's not like he has the most outlandish things to deal with, and but, like, some of those sequences, you know, when he's just basically like, you know, just fucking die already, and, like, you're a mm. pussy. Like, just little moments like that which just kind of bring to the table what they need to. You know, we don't need to care about him trying to buy a beer, um, but, you know, like, it's just little random things. I don't think we're ever going to get super great things from, you know, his storylines. Uh, there is a few that I can think of, but, um, 
yeah, I always feel props to RJ. Is it Mitty or Mitt, or am I saying that correctly? Or I think I think it's Mitt, but maybe we need to check that before we uh, before we move forwards on the show. So we'll 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 come back to you for episode two, season yeah. one, season two, episode one. We'll have that right. But um, but yeah, I, I and you're right. I mean, not every character is meant to be like it's not like a pie that we're evenly cut into six slices, right? Like um, some of these are, are even though they're main cast members, they're meant, they're designed to be in a in a kind of supporting role so and and that's absolutely fine um so yeah i don't think we should be um too worried about that and they'll come and go depending on their own kind of subplots and storylines as they come along and i think they all contribute in their own ways like you know i'm just thinking back to that scene with with hank and walt jr in the car at the at the crystal palace you know um yeah that's a really cool fun little scene and and um you know, I think whenever RJ Mid is called up to do his thing, he does a great job with it. So, um, you know, we're never going to be disappointed, I don't think. And and even Marie, I mean, you know, what she's given to work with, it's it's not much. But and I think we kind of talked about that in the last episode of the season that um, she kind of starts to shine a little bit more when she becomes the supportive character for Hank. Um, but we haven't kind of quite nailed that in this first season. So I think a few of them are given some kind of some little dead end storylines in this first season as they're trying to feel for what works and what doesn't so i think things are, are only going to get better for some of those minor characters as we move forwards i'll get to the guest ones in just a second i just want to correct myself so in terms of golden globes it actually only ever won two so uh the last season got best drama and brian cranston won the best actor aaron paul actually never won a golden globe neither did anna gunn but emmys um brian cranston won four emmys out of what five years basically or six years so that's a pretty good strike rate including for the first three seasons um aaron paul won one two he won two and anna gunn won one it also got uh outstanding drama series at least once i mean the last year it basically swept everything yeah uh yeah. It, it got best series best actor supporting actor supporting actress uh best writing um yeah completely who, was su- who was supporting actress in that last is, is it somebody we haven't seen yet or is it uh no anna anna gun so anna gun also she's so always not also not lead actress, actress. yeah was no lead she's actress. always been listed as supporting actor so the acting nods um yeah aaron paul was basically nominated every year um, uh, Giancarlo Esposito gets nominated uh, for a supporting actor in at least one of the years, and then Jonathan Banks also gets nominated right. later on. So interesting that yeah, supporting actress. I mean, there must be some sort of uh, rhyme and reason around that. I actually am really intrigued here. Of the all, the, so did he miss out on two years? Did Brian Cranston? Who does he lose to? I need I to wonder see if the, this. Well, you, while you're looking at that, I suppose um, like one of the things with this, like there might be some criteria about the percentage of time they're on the screen or something yeah, like that, that, whether or not they can be you know, a lead or supporting. So maybe she just doesn't fall into that, even though I would say, especially towards the end, she's definitely in a lead capacity. So, um, so yeah, I think it's probably just, um, you know, we're talking about the actual um, – regulations whatever you might want to call them that are required for this so um so yeah i think that might be the only reason why she's not there but um be interesting to know why golden globes didn't give them quite as many if you know like what what else was getting the awards at that time um 
Yeah. Yeah. Golden Globes are always a funny one because, like, often people rag them out, particularly for movies. Like, they're the lesser one than the Oscar. But, I, like, I always kind of look them as they're a little bit more prestigious for the TV side of things, of course, because, like, mm. it's kind of a next level up. And, you know, we talked a lot about that, obviously, with um, uh, Nip Tuck, how that really didn't get any awards, but it randomly got a, a, nomin- a win for Best Drama Series, which was, like, a big deal for that show. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll go over... This and I, I do this now because I guess we could do this every season, but like I, I, I like to look at awards and see how things go. So, Brian Cranston was nominated, uh, so one, two, three, four, five, six times, obviously, for I guess all five. Well, there was two parts of season five, so sort of look at it that way. He only missed out on twice the so two years he missed out, two shows I actually watch. So, in 2012, he lost to Damien Lewis for Homeland. Um, and in 2013, a very underrated show, which I would love to cover. It's very short. Uh, Jeff Daniels for the newsroom. Um, so, uh, yeah, but he then, you know, mm, I haven't, I've never seen the newsroom, but I've not, I've not seen, I, I, yeah, I've, I've not seen much of Homeland, but I, 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 I know. It's one of those shows that starts off really was... well, starts off really well, kind of goes a bit, you know, skew if every now and then, but, uh, yeah. Golden Globe-wise, um, so Brian Cranston wasn't even nominated for the first couple of years. Um, first year he was nominated was 2010. He lost out to Steve Buscemi from Boardwalk Empire. Then in 2011, right. he lost out to Kelsey Grammer in Boss. Everyone remembers that show. Uh, 2012, he lost out to Damien Lewis from Homeland before he finally won in his final year. Um, interesting going back to 2008 and 2009 when he wasn't even nominated. So Gabrielle Byrne won for In Treatment in 2008 and Michael C. Hole won for Dexter in uh, 2009. So, um, yeah, mm. interesting. I like these sort of, uh, you know, things. And I guess in terms of, because um, it never won television. Oh, no, it did. won one Golden Globe for Best Drama. Uh, which would be interesting how many times it was nominated. It was nominated in 2012, lost to Homeland, and it was nominated in 2013, and it won. So uh, interesting that even in its first, right. like, four years, it didn't get nominated for a Golden Globe. So mm. fascinating, Nick, fascinating. All right. Mm. Uh, sorry if anyone's listening and they don't give a shit about awards. Um, guest starring. So um, here's a trivia question for you, Nick. Which two actors were credited as the most guest stars? I think you'll probably get one of them, but I don't know if you'll get the second one. Maybe you will. They were in four episodes of the first season. Guest stars. So there's there's two, did you say? That, yeah, that, two that who were in four episodes listed as a guest starring. Mm. One's an obvious one if you think about it. Think about Hank. Oh, so go me. Yep. And the um, other one, yeah. Is Carmen? Is it Carmen? Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah, yeah. Carmen yeah, I was thinking, like, that, it's kind of crazy that Tuco's not because he's such a major part mm. of this, but I guess he's only in two episodes. But to me, if you're talking about, like, standout, quote-unquote, guest stars, um, Tuco would probably be the one I kind of go to because it's such a major part of the show and he's so good in that role. But, um, yeah, what's a guest star? If it has to be you know, four or more or three or more or whatever, then I guess he yeah. doesn't qualify. 
Well, we generally kind of when we do this, because generally we're covering 20 episode seasons, we often only go for like two or two or three episodes. You know, we don't go with the one. We sort of <clears> have the one time. But here it's sort of a bit different. So, yeah, Gomez and uh, Carmen. Uh, so, Carmen Serrana. So, Carmen's real name is Carmen. And uh, Stephen Gomez is played by Stephen Michael Cusada. So, then in three episodes, you had Crazy Eight. We always we talked a little mm. bit about uh, Max Archinega. Probably mispronouncing that name. Obviously, uh, Elliot. Uh, sorry, Gretchen was in two episodes. Tuco in two episodes. Emilio was in two episodes. Uh, we also had uh, Nodos in two episodes. Skinny Pete, our good friend Charlie mm-hmm. Baker, in two episodes. And the Doctor, uh, David House, funny. Right. Uh, Doctor Della, whatever it is. And uh, Gonzo, Jesus Payan. And then a couple of one-timer episodes. I mean, I guess the only one notable one I'll put there is Badger, who we meet for the yeah. first time. Uh, Elliot, of course, and obviously Mr. and Mrs. Pinkman, who maybe we will see. And Ken, who we get in um, yeah. Better yeah. Call Soul. But, uh, I mean, I'll jump in here and say, like, I mean, we were big Crazy 8 fans. We obviously talked up a lot mm. with uh, Max Arseniega in his three episodes. So uh, props to him because, yeah, he doesn't – does he ever do in a flashback? I don't think we ever see him again. So, um, you know, definitely props to him. Um Obviously, you know, you you got to love Gomi. Uh, he's great. Um, you know, Gretchen and Elliot, we talked about how they kind of have more of an impact than we think they do for people who are mm. barely in this show. And obviously, Tuco, Raymond Cruz as Tuco Salamanca. I mean, as we said, he's basically in four episodes in this entire show's run. Mm. One of the most memorable characters you will ever see. I think he's only in about that many in Better Call Soul as well. So basically in about the, as many episodes as this first season has in his entire run in this franchise and just leaves such an impact. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah, and, I, and a special note out to our friend Charlie Baker, Skinny Pete. Obviously, Skinny Pete and Badger are going to become more prominent mm. as we move along. But um, I, I just, what is it? Two balls in a nutsack, yo! Like, of uh, how close? Like, great sort of um, almost opening line. But yeah, um, yeah. yeah I, I think probably the one that stands out the most to me is is Crazy Eight. Like, I think um, just that acting, especially you know, it's kind of death scene and the, the scenes leading up to it. I think is is really really impressive. So, um, and Tuco, I think we'll have more to say you know, in season two. So I, I kind of want to, he's, he's great here, don't get me wrong, but I think um, we'll have more to say once we kind of get um, into season two when it comes to Tuco. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, those are the two that kind of stand out to me. I think, you know, all of them kind of bring something. I think, you know, I think I've said a few times in our recaps already that this is a world that you kind of step into and feels lived in. It feels like all these characters belong here. Um, and you, that's something that I think probably casting should take a real bow for, for how they've cast the show. Even your minor characters all feel really lived in. And, um, you know, I've talked a little bit about the couple of commentaries I've, I've talked about, but, um, you know, I've listened to them and they talk about these kind of, even some of these these kind of real minor characters who don't have a line, but they just have the right look. And they kind of talked about, you know, that the, the guy who's the... Um, um, like the the bouncer or the bodyguard or whatever at Tuco's um, pad when they walk up and he's got these really intense eyes, you know, and he just, like, it feels like there's just a, you know, he doesn't have much to say. I don't even know if he has a line, but, um, you know, he, he has the real look for that role and they did a really good job of casting in that way that even these kind of very minor characters all feel like they fit into the, into the show really well. Um, yeah, and I think you know, even Ken, our, our you know, one-timer, um, is probably the one that feels the most out of place. But um, I think even he feels like it works in, in this season. So, yeah, I think a, a real good cast of minor characters who, who just you know really make this show pop. Yeah, and I really want to, like, give special props again to Adam Godley and Jessica Hetched as Gretchen and Elliot because, like, again, yeah. like, it, it really did surprise me. 
that um, they're only in, like, we don't see them again until basically the last two episodes of this entire mm. series, and but they feel like such more important characters than they're ever shown to be. So, yeah, again, uh, props to them, and I think you remember them. Like, literally, like, as soon as I see any, I mean, obviously with Jesse Hetch, it's more of a Friends thing, but with Adam Godley, as soon as I see him in something, I'm like, oh, it's Elliot from Breaking Bad, you know, and yeah. it's kind of such an impact for such a short time. So props to them. Um, we don't really have, like, major guest stars in Breaking Bad. We can't sort of go like Joan mm. Rivers and <laughs> Alanis Morissette and things like yeah. that. So we don't really have that to talk about. Episodes-wise, um, it's a tricky one for us in some ways. Seven episodes, and you said at the very beginning that you don't know if you'll ever do anything but buy an episode of Breaking Bad. We obviously, you and I were on the same page on everything. We bought every episode with the exception of episode four, Cancer Man, which we rented. Again, will we ever been an episode of Breaking Bad? Um, who knows? But... Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, this is probably the easiest way of doing this is just going over, re- reiterating our rankings because, I mean, it's kind of interesting to go, like, our favourite and least favourite episodes. We can kind of just rank them. So, I mean, I'll just refresh. So, from seven to one, I had, uh, yeah, Cancer Man, episode four, a No Rough Stuff type deal, episode seven, Cats in the Bag, episode two, Grey Matter, episode five, Crazy Handful of Nothing, episode six, and The Bags in the River, episode three, and I had the best episode of the season as a pilot, episode one. So, uh, and I stand by that. I think, like, you and I, I think, are basically the same, except there's a couple different from memory. But, um, I mean, the pilot, to me, I mean, God, you sell this show so well, the opening scene so well. We might be talking about that opening scene again very, very shortly. But, um, yeah, I mean, so much about it sells it well. I've said a few times this uh, recap series that, you know, some people do complain that the show starts off slow. And I remember when somebody told me just as I was about to start watching it for the first time, like, stick with it, it gets a bit slow. I never felt that with this show, ever, 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 ever. So um, I'm sold from the opening sequence of the pilot. It does the job. Um, and yeah, so I, that, they're my rankings. And I mean, the cancer man was just a slower episode. It wasn't bad. Like it was sort of a high rent. Um, but I mean, I think kind of compared to the other six, it was the, the easy one to not buy. So, um, yeah, Mm. you and I are both very much on the same page from memory. Yeah. Well, I think, um, my number one was episode, uh, six, which was a crazy handful of nothing. I think episode uh, my number two was the pilot. Um, I think, um, and um, number three was Bags on the River, um, and I think that they were kind of in a tier on their own. They're kind of like that real elite level, like great episodes of, of Breaking Bad. And then I think you've got very, very good episodes that come underneath that. I think the ones I had underneath that were, um, I think, see, this is why I need to write these things down. I'm going to have to go away and write these down, otherwise I am going to forget. I think I'm you had sure from had- memory the same order as mine. I think you had Cats in the Bag, No Rough Stuff, Type of Deal, and Cancer Man as a bottom three. I think. Yeah, yeah. Grey Matter is number four, I think. Yeah, 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 that's correct. So I think those next three are, are very good episodes. And then I think um, Cancer Man is a, it's a good episode. You know, like it's, it's fine. Um, so yeah, I think that you've kind of almost got those tears already starting to develop, which should make it easier for me because once you start, you know, you start trying to evaluate an episode two you know, uh, sorry, a season two episode up against the season one. And then when you add three and four and five, you know, it starts to get quite difficult. And so when I'm trying to add one in in season four, I'm like, well, is that as good as that one in episode one? I'm going to think, well, that's, is it like a great episode? Is it a good episode? Is it an okay episode? You know, so that's going to probably kind of help me, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, I think um, one of the things that's quite interesting about this, and, and it'd be interesting to see if this holds as we go through the show, is that often, these episodes have felt like a little bit of a one-two punch and you know obviously episode two and three we knew that because the you know the the titles of the episodes kind of spoke to each other um but even i think we talked about episode four and five were kind of a part 
A and part B without officially being that. They kind of just felt like you got some setups in, in episode four that paid off in episode five, which is why four maybe felt a little bit slower because it was doing a lot of the, the setups for the payoffs that would come in the next episode. So um, I, I think when you think about it from that perspective, um, it, it, it's kind of yeah it's sometimes you've just got to think that some of these episodes are designed to, to um, set up things that will that will eventually get paid off later on so yeah um but but for me i think um you know there, there hasn't been anything close to a bad episode or even just you know a mediocre episode they've all been good they've all been shades of good um so far yeah and like I think we sort of mentioned this at the very beginning where it kind of gets to a point where it's like, I mean, there's one infamous episode, which, you know, will be interesting when we get to, but this isn't really a show. It's like, it's not like we went into Nip Tuck and I could straight away pinpoint some bad episodes that we're going to get to, but like, yeah, this is one besides that one episode. And even then, like, I don't know if I generally dislike that episode as much as everybody. Like, I can't, I've only seen it a couple of times and maybe it's just got a reputation more so now because of who directs it. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> yeah, like, we'll, we'll get to those, obviously, as we move along. But, I mean, this, this could very well be a show where there's never a bin. I mean, who knows? I think I said that in season one of 24, and spoiler alert, I don't think we're quite up to there, but I've definitely been to a few of season one, and I forgot that there were a few duds in that season. But anyway. Well, um, I was quite excited because um, when we did Nip Tuck, you obviously um, famously had a season where you went through and it was only buys yeah. the whole way through, and we I don't think we kind of expected that. Never did. Um, no. And, you know, and I was, I was I thought, man, this being a, a, you know, a small season with only seven episodes, maybe I'm, I'll be able to do that this time around. So I'm a little bit gutted that I wasn't able to get the full you know six out of seven is not bad um and you know will I get a full season without you know without any flab um be interesting to see if we get there I mean um from memory I'm thinking it might be possible um but uh, you know like I'm I'm having to reach a little bit because I don't know all these episodes individually enough to remember oh hey you know there, there is a bit of a slow you know you've talked about an infamous one that we're going to get to in season three but um you know there's definitely um there, there is definitely slow patches next season as well so it'll be interesting to see um how we end up ranking them you know if i can get that perfect season but i've never been one to um um to give it a give it a pass just so i can have that perfect season i'm always going to call it how i see it yeah and i mean look i i went into nip tuck basically calling season two as one of the greatest seasons in television and i basically swore black and blue that that would be my number one season and it ended up being number two because I, I bought everything of season four and like, I, yeah. I will stand by that. Like, it's kind of just like, it just blew me away how much I love that season and how much shit that season gets for how good it mm. is. Um, mm. So, but like, it's interesting. We mentioned last week, of course, about how this is one of those rare shows that it doesn't get worse as it goes along. It's the complete mm. opposite. So if anything, yeah. we've had one season right now with one round. I mean, who knows when we get to season five, obviously the longest, cause we're going to cover it all as one season, not in two halves. But, I mean, mm. who knows? We could get to season five and we might be buying everything. Yeah, and I, I think as well, I've, I've always had a little bit of a problem with that um, that thing about, you know, people say, oh, it just gets better and better. And um, I would argue that it doesn't. Um, I think that there's a point where the show kind of reaches its absolute peak and then it doesn't, it, you know, like it, doesn't get bad but I, I think that it, like there is a peak that is not right at the end of the season and I'll talk about that when we get there um, but it also kind of implies that season one's the worst when you talk about it in that way and um, you know it'll be really interesting when we get to this time next season when we can when we start to compare season two and season one um, about which one we kind of like because mm. um, you know 
without too much of a spoiler, right? You know, there's there are parts of season two that I don't love, um, and you know we'll, we'll get to that when we get there. Um, but you know, it, it might be the case that season two ends up being behind season one of my rankings. I, you know, I I don't know enough yet to to really be able to say that for sure. Um, but I, I it wouldn't shock me if that's the case. Um, you know, and and so I think that whole thing of you know it only gets better and better kind of implies that the season's the worst and i i think yeah as i said about the episodes i think everything about the show is just it's just shades of good um so so yeah i, I i've never really liked that i think um season one is is um really good considering they were they were definitely still trying to iron out the kinks and that whole thing about the, the writer strike coming at the end of the season is an interesting thing i hadn't really thought about or remembered and i think you know when you think that they've got that extra complication while they're trying to make the show um is is really quite amazing to me that it is as good as it is and it holds up yeah absolutely and i think kind of it's yeah this is similar to lost for me where like obviously i love the show but i've not watched it enough as much and sort of noah's the bigger lost fan you're a bit more of the bigger breaking bad fan so yeah i don't know these seasons in and out enough to guarantee you oh this season's going to be my number one whereas like Third watch, Nip Tuck and 24, I can guarantee you I know them well enough to go, okay, well, I know this season is not as good as this season and blah, 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 blah. So it's kind of, yeah, it's a bit different on that side of things. Um, That leads us into our ranking. This is the easiest one we'll ever do. (laughs) I mean, at number one, I have season one. Do you have the same, Nick? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's both the best and the worst season at the moment, isn't it? So, yeah, yeah, there's not too much more to say at the moment until we've got something to compare it to. So, yeah, interesting conversation coming up um, this time next season, I think. Yeah, no, obviously, our, just for those at home who maybe have never listened to one of these before, at the end of every season, we will rank in order of our favourite seasons. So, obviously, being season one, we don't really have much of an option. But the other big thing we like to do in uh, these recaps is every season we come up with a top five uh, Hall of Fame moments. And if you listen weekly, you might hear us talk about this is a nominee for the Hall of Fame and kind of going over that. And generally what we do is we come up with a list of five then we put them in order. And then these then essentially become nominees at the end of our entire recap series where we'll come up with a top 10 moments, greatest moments from the entire show. So basically final five from each season when then we'll have, what, a 25 nominees to create a top 10. So um, interesting times. We did have a lot of fun with this on Nip Tuck. Uh, I know our third watch ones, there was at least two seasons where I think we kind of had equal fifths. Uh, we kind of cheated a little bit, maybe had six moments. I know we at least did that once on Lost because I was fighting to death for Boone's death to be in the top five and I won, so sucked in Noah. Um, but Nick, I've gone over the five times we have said a potential nominee, so we might just have our five here because uh, there's obviously with seven episodes. So I will just say right now, this is the five that I know we noted down as potential nominees. We obviously have the opening of the pilot. Um, we have uh, from episode two, the body falling through the floor, the, the sort of the cliffhanger. From episode three, we have the first kill, Walt's first kill when he kills Crazy Eight. Uh, I believe it's episode five when we have the sort of the scene with the pillow, the intervention. And then episode six, we have Walt's uh, explosion with Tuco. So they're the five that I've marked down. I don't know if there's anything else that stands out that you're thinking of. Yeah, I think I think we probably nailed it here. But I think um, for us, um, I, I think we would have our, our badges of, of Breaking Bad fandom taken away if we didn't include the bathtub falling through the ceiling oh, God, if we yes. didn't didn't include um, Crazy Eight being killed and we didn't include um, Tuco's pad being 
been exploded like those are kind of the three most memorable like when you think about season one those are the images in your mind right so I think we absolutely have to have those so I think that kind of leaves us with two that we can play with and I, I think you've probably nailed what the other two are I think there are other ones that are fun and I think if we had more wiggle room we might be talking about you know like there's some really really cool montage scenes of them cooking you know to, to sort of great music and but there's so many of them that kind of trying to pick one that is more you know more worthy of being in this top five than others I think is really really hard to do um, you know I think we could probably dig like I think the only thing when I think about that list of five is that um, it's pretty light on Jesse but then I think the season is pretty light on Jesse so I think probably the the, the key one for Jesse is really the, the bathtub scene you know that's the one that he's um, most involved in and I you know there's nothing else that's really jumping out at me except maybe you know when he gets beaten up and Tuco's pad and I, I don't think that that's a big enough moment that we would cast one of the ones that you've just mentioned aside for that um, and I think you know as I've said already here I think Jesse's time to shine as a character um, is, is going to come up especially in season two but, but more as we go along in the show more generally the only other ones that I'm thinking of, which we never mentioned, that I just personally like is, um, I mean, we mentioned last week about the uh, the stealing of the methylamine. I think it's quite funny. Mm. Um, I like the kind of little really pathetic fight that Jesse and Walt have when he's, you know, <laughs> I'm pinching a loaf here. Um, and the, yeah, the only montage one is the like that's kind of fun. But um, I just think that, yeah, it's pretty, you know, I think... If we rank them then, okay, if we, if we agree on our five, if there's nothing else we can think stands out here, I think we've got our top three probably. So I guess what do we have at fifth and four? I personally would say the pillow, the intervention at five and the opening of the pilot at four. That would be me. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, you know, like I, I'm, I'm always going to advocate for that kind of, um, you know, great kind of acting masterclass you can watch, that, that, which is what Brian Cranston's delivering there. And it's a kind of emotional scene that's not about action and, you know, big explosions and, you know, something unexpected plot twists. It's just great actors in a room doing their thing. And, and I think it's really, really good, but I, I think it's less iconic than the other four. So it kind of makes sense to me that that's number five. Um, I think that's just one that we're getting in because we both really enjoyed it and it kind of encapsulates the, the the struggle in this first season um and then yeah i think that the other the um, opening of the pilot i think is um it, it probably should be more iconic than it is really you know like the, and i think for fans it is i think if you're a fan of the show the kind of you know the pants flying through the air and the kind of shot down the gun and uh, you know um all that kind of stuff i think and the, you know the kind of um selfie video into the video camera i think is um is is iconic to fans but i think if you're going to talk to more casuals then the other three are more standout so i think yeah i think we've got four and five nailed yeah the other, the other, I'll just quickly add just, I mean, I sort of a couple other ones there just as honourable mentions and I don't know if this would sway our mind. I mean, kind of, kind of Walt walking out bald for the first time, badass dad. <laughs> yeah. And also him getting told he's got cancer is also kind of with the mustard. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of other ones you could mention. Uh, and just to clarify, so the, we, we are literally going with the opening of the pilot. We're not going with the extended version of that scene when they zoom in on the gun and he's kind of hiding from the fire. Oh, engine. sorry. Yeah, I forget, yeah, sorry. I forgot that comes later in the episode, doesn't it? You're right. Yep. But we're, but we're going with the opening of the part. Because like, yes. just to clarify for people, like we do make videos of these, but we generally can't put them up online because we get sort of pinged for copyright. So I still put it together. But we, we, we do one continuous scene, so we don't kind of lump multiple scenes. I think we try to do that once or something but in one of the shows. But, um, yeah, so to clarify, it is the entire intervention scene and the literal opening of this entire series with, as Nick said, the pants flying and kind of you cut him on the gun and then it fades to the credits. Mm. So that's there. So I guess yeah. 
Our three that we're putting in order is uh, Walt's first kill of Crazy 8, the body falling through the floor, and the explosion with Tuco. I mean, what what do you, like, do we work down from the best, like, is there a clear number one here for you that you think we should be fighting for number one? I mean, for me, of, of those scenes, I think the one I like the most, um, and I think is probably, you know, the, the one I think back on the most is, is um, Killing of Crazy Eight. Like, to me, that feels like um, it may not be that, like, because I think the one everybody thinks about is actually the bathtub. But, I, like, to oh, me, yeah. I think that's a, it's a great kind of your jaw drops open as you see it, and it's kind of disgusting. But um, I, for me, I just I think the other two are, are, are better, um, but that's just a personal thing, and um, you know I don't feel strongly enough to kind of fight about it. But uh, you know I, I wouldn't really I wouldn't consider the bathtub to be the number one um, Look, if, of if, those three moments. If it was a personal like yeah like a jaw drop, I would go for the bathtub at number one just because I remember that episode. And like holy fuck, like that really sold me. But I I'm with you. I think kind of this and I've always tried to fight this as this is what we do. It's more of those iconic moments. I know I had to do a lot of this with Darvell and Third Watch. Where it's like, like, I think like if you think of the iconic moments of Third Watch mm. versus the, we like this better, I think it's kind of that's what you kind of sell it on. So I would mm. agree. I think number three, the bathtub, um, mm. if you're happy with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just, the one and thing I'm, I'll I'm... say with, with the murder, like the first kill, is is there's two ways we can go about that. Because that, like, do we include the entire... Because that's a long scene if you include the dialogue. But I would almost argue you need the entire conversation between him and Crazy 8 around the furniture store and, you know, the beer and and let let me go. Because then that literally goes into him going up to get the key, discovering Mm. the plate and walking down. So are we including the entire dialogue beforehand or do we just literally include him getting the key, discovering the plate, then killing him? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's almost like from the key to to the... from from there onwards i think i think we are starting to cheat a little bit if we're putting like a 10 minute scene um and as a you know because obviously something that's that long is always gonna you know is is gonna get preferential treatment and you know if you think that by cutting that that makes um the the blowing up of the pad a a better a better moment I'm, i'm quite comfortable with that as well i think um for me, I think kind of the, the crazy eight moment, I think is really a, a marking of, you yeah. know, this is Walt's first kill. It's a really important kind of moment for the show. And I think if we start to kind of reflect on, you know, when similar things start to happen later in the show's run, as this character changes, it's quite interesting to look back on who he was at the start of the show. Yeah. Um, the, uh, whereas the other one is kind of like this really kind of badass moment that kind of shows who this guy is and what he's capable of and, and what happens to people who underestimate him, um, which I think is probably a big part of the show um, going forward. So I think there's actually a case to be made. I'm, I'm quite comfortable with either. My, like I guess if you were putting me on the spot, I think I prefer the Crazy 8 moment, but I'm also not, not overly worried if you'd prefer to put the other one first. No, I'm with you. I think it's like I think you sold it well. I think that in, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, like the, the flashy trailer is going to be Walt throwing a bit of crystal and blowing up. It's flashy. It's bangy. It's like, you know, it's, it's a badass moment. But, I mean, in terms of the importance of the character, to have him kill someone, you know, like yeah, yeah. flat yeah. out murder someone. Yeah. And, like, we talked about the makeup in that, the tension, like just him just crying and apologizing and just, like, mm. like 
the impact in terms of watching it as a viewer, like, yeah, it's cool to see an explosion, but the difference is, as well, is we kind of got teased to that. We kind of saw that in the cold open, so we kind of knew something yeah. was coming, whereas with the killing, like, you, the whole thing I was saying about the dialogue is because you, you kind of are believing that he's not going to do it, but then he doesn't, mm-hmm. but I agree with you. I think you can kind of cut that there. So, I mm-hmm. yeah, I would go number one, the killing of Crazy Eight, and number two, the explosion. Yeah. That would be I, th- I think the other thing, too, is that um, I think the... The kind of the explosion and probably even the bathtub scene. If we went back and watched whatever trailer was put together for the first season of Breaking Bad, yeah. probably both those moments are there because they're not kind of you can't put Walt killing somebody in a trailer, um, not for any graphic reason, but just because of from a spoiler reason more than anything Absolutely. else. Like I just don't think it makes sense to put that in a trailer. So I think if you're thinking about iconic scenes that people remember, those other two are the ones that everybody like that just like you know the, the kind of that the three seconds of kind of while lifting up the the bit of mercury and then throwing it like that's such an iconic kind of um, image and and video or whatever you want moving image whatever you want to call it um, but that's probably largely because it's one that's been played over and over again in trailers and um, and things like that and um, I think if you were to put something together which is the you know the, the big moments from season one in retrospect you would definitely include um the crazy eight moment right at the top i think um because yeah. of how important it is and how graphic it is yeah and this is interesting because like you know i, I love this is my, my, probably my favorite part of whenever we do the shows i love coming up with these moments because i love these mo- and this look i'll be completely selfish here and say that i think the reason why i always fought for doing this every season is because i remember growing up uh, sort of when I was really getting into TV shows and it was back in the live journal days and just when like YouTube started like I was part of you know all these TV groups like and I remember uh, a friend of mine really got me into Buffy and then she kind of showed me like this video clip of these are the top 10 moments somebody did of Buffy so I was kind of like oh cool I want to do that for the shows I like so mm. I made one at the time for 24 I think they were just five seasons in so I made the top 24 moments of 24 yeah. up until that point and then I started to do one third watch and I never got through it so I kind of just I like rankings and things like that so mm. um, that's why I like them and like I right now like again Breaking Bad going back to my point about how like again it's not a show I know in and out like some of those other shows but there's one scene that I mean there are a few times in television shows that I rewind and like God, like I my jaws to the ground. Like House of Cards, I will still say is maybe the most jaw dropping moment I ever had in any TV show. That one scene. And if we ever did House of Cards, and I would love to do House of Cards one day, uh, that is number one greatest moment in that show of all time. One of the greatest <laughs> moments in television I have ever seen. But um, yeah, there's there's one in this season which, I mean, look, I will say right now, I will fight to death to make that to the top ten. I don't know if it'll be number one, but like, fuck that scene. I will still to this day, whenever I watch that episode, I will rewind it like five times, and I'm just like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, it's just the way it's done. But anyway, all right, so let's go over this. From five to number one, we'll lock this in. So from episode five, Grey Matter, we have the intervention scene, everyone on the couch, my turn to talk with the pillow. Uh, from number four, from the very first episode pilot, literally the opening, what is it, like five minutes, basically the pants flying, Walt with the camera, with the gun pointed at the camera before we get into the opening credits. Uh, at number three, from episode two, Cats in the Bag, the moment when the body falls through the bathtub, through the ceiling, and basically all the way down onto the floor. 
from number two from episode six, Crazy Handful of Nothing, we have Walt confronting Tuco and blowing up the building essentially and getting his money and walking out. I, I would cap that at him in the car, literally like, ah, like, you know, like you need to include that at the end of that as well. And our number one moment from season one of Breaking Bad from episode three and the bags in the river, it is Walt killing Crazy Eight, his very first kill. And uh, look, solid top five, I might argue right now as a precursor. I would probably say at least maybe two of them could be potential for making our top ten moments. Maybe three, because I like the bathtub, but maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's gonna that's gonna be so hard because there's just so many good moments, you know. Like, um, yeah, we're we're not short on great moments. The show does oh, yeah. good moments really, really well, um, and yeah, so there's just. Like, there's obviously stuff that you just remember um but but yeah it's uh, it, it, that's going to be a fun conversation when we get well, you know another yeah. 50 something episodes in to to to, to re- and just as a, a precursor if people sort of wonder how how do we do that uh basically we will have 25 moments at the end of five seasons and then nick and i will essentially rank those 25 moments from one to 25 and whatever we each have at number one gets 25 points whatever we have at number two gets 24 points and it's kind of just we just add it up it's that simple and neither nick and i know each other well, i mean i will obviously nick will send them to me and i have to add them up but um yeah i've the two times i've done it previously with third watch and nip tuck i've never been influenced by anyone i'm quite opinionated so i'm going to go with mine and not go oh well nick's got this at number three i better move mine up so we can make the top 10 i've never done that so um yeah it makes it quite interesting and i remember pretty sure from memory our Nick Tuck one was quite diverse so um, you know there were a few moments there that yeah well I think you know for, for, so. um, for us we actually had a couple of episodes um, in Nip Tuck where you know you would buy and I would I would burn mm. and vice versa so that made for some quite interesting kind of um, topics but I think ultimately it ended up working out that you know I, I certainly remember that our very top um, moment for Nip Tuck we were both very very high on that one and so you know oh yeah it, we both it, gave it number one yeah yeah well that's right yeah so it was it, it, it knocked out of the park and nothing else was going to touch it so um, yeah was well, I remember third watch getting a little bit annoyed with Brandy and Darvell that to me the most iconic moment came in at like number 10 I'm like well at least mm. it made the top 10 but come on <laughs> um, mm. but uh, again this is the beauty of kind of having averages and diverse opinions it kind of it, mm. it balances out the end so on that note, um, I guess I mean looking ahead to season two, and we can maybe think a little bit to uh, episode one. I mean, we probably should have gone more over episode one of season two last week, but uh, we didn't. But um, I mean, the first episode of second season is called Seven Thirty Seven. I actually haven't watched it yet. Uh, I do remember that we kind of like we've mentioned about season two how it's kind of like. I think Vince Gilligan basically just mapped this out from beginning to end. So it kind of, it's a nice puzzle. And like from memory, we get the opening with the bear and there's like black and white and kind of it goes from there. And I actually remember watching it for the first time going like, wow, this is interesting. What does this mean? Um, And you've mentioned things like symbolism and all this kind of stuff that, you know, even this bear falling into the pool kind of comes Mm. back and plays a key role in what, like season four. So like, it's kind of, yeah, there's there's lots of things going on. But season two in general, I mean, gosh, you talk about some uh, big things happening. We're going to meet three very, very prominent people. Um, I'm going to say one of the greatest television villains in the history of TV. We get to meet him. He's an actor who 
I love the shit out of this man. I mean, we, we talked about him in one of the worst episodes of Third Watch that his talents were wasted in it. But he's gone on to, you know, he's a, he's a big bad now on, a, on another pretty prominent TV show now on Disney+. Plus. Um, he's about to be in a pretty prominent franchise of a video game series as a main villain. I mean, this show has put him on the map. Mm. Um, we also meet, uh, let's just say we meet the guy that we're going to get a spin-off of <laughs> in an episode called the same name of the same show. Uh, and we also meet a bald guy who uh, is going to be pretty prominent as well. But there's a few others that we meet as well. We meet some more of the Salamanca clan. Uh, Jesse's got a little bit more to do with a certain character that comes in with uh, him. We get more Skinny Pete. We get more Badger. Um, yeah, I like from what I remember of season two, enjoyable. Uh, but again, I'm as I said, not don't know this show so inwards and outwards that I, I can remember it perfectly. But uh, I'm, I'm very much... I know we don't meet certain people till very late in the season but uh you know there's i mean look nothing against the certain ball guy i love him too but like the two others i'm more on board with like yeah everyone loves mike let's be honest but uh i i like the other two more yeah i think um i mean we'll have plenty of time to talk about all these characters but mike's an interesting one that i think that will be quite fascinating to watch this having a bit more backstory on who this guy is from better call saul now um and so you know that's that's quite interesting to me that we're going to have a bit of a different take on this than we otherwise would have beforehand. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, season two kind of starts almost a three-season arc on the show. Um, mm-hmm. well, essentially, the second half of season two starts a two-and-a-half-season kind of arc of the show. Um, and um, for me, I think that there's not many TV shows that kind of do that. Like they tend to, it's hard to keep up an ongoing storyline like this. Um, so like, I think all the key players for the next three seasons are kind of there by the end of season two, which is exciting. You know, like you, we don't start adding that many critical players into season three and four, you know, they don't get me wrong. There are new people come in, but, but nobody that is super super critical to the show i don't think from that point onwards unless i'm forgetting somebody um but yeah we kind of you know um we we get some really cool stuff on the season and i'm thinking about um old um danny danny trey is danny trejo is it um, that's right yeah yep so we're gonna get a little bit of him and he kind of he's somebody that absolutely feels like he works on a breaking bad you know like um yeah, Oh, I think it's more than one, um, but it's not heaps. Um, and yeah, I think um, there's some, there's some really good stuff that happens here. I would say that there's definitely some slow stuff, especially in the first few episodes. I think it takes us a little bit of time to kind of get into season two. Um, you know, like there's one character in particular on the season that I really don't like, and I'm looking forward I'm to guessing who it is. To, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to talking through how that all plays out and what I think of it now, having seen this particular actor and other stuff now and, you know, like having a bit of a different opinion on that and, you know, do I actually like this? And you talk about um, Vince Gillian kind of like planning it out. I think this feels like um, they wanted it to be a real mystery box, um, you know, from the stuff around the teddy bear and the kind of the cold opens become a much bigger thing in season two. But even the episode titles, which we've been talking about, you know, there's a hidden meaning behind some of the episode titles and, you know, like, um, for me, I kind of wonder when we get to the end of the season, 
you know, was it worth it? Like, and, you know, was all that kind of groundwork laid? Did it end up paying off in a satisfying way? And so I guess I'm probably showing my hand a little bit in terms of what I think about that. But I'm also really open to some of the perspectives I've got now maybe changing as we kind of go through through this and talk it over. Um, so I think it's probably um, – for me, it's probably the, the hardest sell of all the seasons, um, but you just never know once you start getting into it, you know, suddenly your opinion starts to change and um, you see things that you didn't see first time around. So um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, I'm looking forward to having the conversation about season two. One thing I want to say to give us a bit of extra homework, which I didn't actually realize was a thing, but this wouldn't take us extra that long if we just want to do a quick little recap. There apparently exists mini-sodes, which are little web-based episodes that were set between the first and the second uh, seasons, which apparently appear on the second season DVD, which I also see here, are on YouTube. So there's five of them. None of them go longer than five minutes, and they're mainly comedy-orientated. Um, mm, so okay. uh, maybe there's just a... We can give a bit of a run-through. I've never seen them. Didn't know they exist until I'm just reading this on Wikipedia. One of them was written by uh, Vince Gilligan, and they're, they're all being directed by the one guy, John Shaban. So... Um, yeah, uh, there's Good Cop, Bad Cop, Wedding Day, Thwart Hammer, Marie's Confession, and The Break-In. So, uh, there <laughs> Well, we I think it's one of the things we haven't talked about um, uh, on this recap, but we have talked about in our episodes is um, is the location. And, you know, so a lot of filming happened, in, you know, in Albuquerque and New Mexico itself. Um, and you really feel that, you know, like the, the actual location feels like a really, really critical part of the show. So, um, you know, I'm quite happy to go and, and, and spend 20, 25 minutes in Albuquerque yeah. and, and, and New Mexico, you know, even if the, the story is not critically important. So, well, um, yeah, yeah, count me in. We'll definitely talk about that when we get to episode one of, of season I, I, two. I know Noah's brought up a few of them on Lost that there was a sort of a few that you did there. And I know sort of as we go through 24 that they used to do that kind of in between seasons. There would be like a five-minute prequel of Jack Bauer before the day or like, you know, sort of random little side stories of some agents which would just be a couple of minutes long which they released back on like AT&T if you had a mobile phone or something oh, like that. Yeah, so. I, remember, I remember Walking Dead doing this. Like It was actually for Fear the Walking Dead. They did like a... And when I say mini episodes, I literally mean like a minute long episode. And it was like a zombie outbreak on a, on a plane. You know, it's like snakes on a plane, but zombies on a plane. Um, and um, like, I think I ended up trying to like binge watch them because it's like, I literally can't get into this. Right? I can only watch one minute at a time. Um, and it was like, it was this whole thing of kind of like, it was a bit of a viral marketing campaign more than anything, but it was yeah. just ended up just annoying me more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, I remember the 24 ones kind of, they started off okay, but like the only notable thing I remember any of the 24 ones is Jack Bauer uses the F-bomb at one point when he basically tells one of his bosses to fuck off and he like storms out of the office like, ooh, Jack Bauer said the F-word. He can't say that on yeah. Fox. So yeah. like that was the only thing that I remember being notable from any of those yeah. prequels. So yeah, and I think I saw one or two of the lost ones and it was kind of like, it's kind of like Survivor. I never really watch Ponderosa. Like, it's just kind of, I don't really need to see them go back and eat some food and weigh themselves. Cool. You get sick of it after, like, two seasons. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the only ever one I ever watched watching fully was, I think, One World when, like, Kat and Alicia were screaming at each other. That was kind of interesting. But outside of that, I, I don't remember any of them. So, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so we'll be back next week with uh, episode one. Do your homework, people, before you do watch 737 uh, and uh, watch the five webisodes, which uh, apparently, yes, are available 
on YouTube. Uh, so there you go. And uh, yes, we might recap them quickly over five minutes. If we remember, we probably will forget, but we'll see how we go. I was always terrible at doing my homework, so uh, we'll see how that works out. But yes, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed our first season coverage. We've definitely enjoyed bringing it to you. And uh, yeah, only 55 episodes to go. <laughs> and one movie. Uh, and the yes. five season recaps. Anyway, we'll get through all those. Uh, but thanks for tuning in and tune into our 24 coverage as well and other shows that we've got going on here on the Oz Network. My name is Ben and nice duds. And my name's Nick and you really know your show. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. <laughs>